Now, if you've heard my voice before, you might be thinking, she sounds a little nasally, a little sick. Well, that's true. I've been fighting a cold for the last couple of days, but I'm definitely on the upswing. So glad you're with us today. I'm going to talk about some misquotes, things that people quote, and they don't have the right idea. The quote is not what they think it is. The first one is, blood is thicker than water. But the full quote is, the blood of a covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, which means that a promise made between friends is a tighter bond than a promise made between family. But the quote is often shortened, and it means the exact opposite. Another one is this, the early bird gets the worm. But the full quote is, the early bird gets the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have cheese than a worm. So the complete quote suggests that maybe being first isn't always best. Sometimes when we say the same thing as a friend at the same time, we say, oh, great minds think alike. But the whole quote is, though seldom, though, though fools seldom differ. So great minds think alike, but fools seldom differ, which really means that if you don't have an original thought of your own, it's not always great to think alike. So sometimes we misquote things. I'm so glad that you're joining us in this last week of our series called Unfiltered. And in this series, we are working our way through some of the most unfiltered and challenging things that Jesus says in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this sermon is Jesus' longest recorded teaching, covers three chapters in the book of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and it covers a variety of topics. We haven't been able to cover all those topics in this series, but we are covering the things that are the most unfiltered. Like today, if Jesus were to say these things, we'd be like, whoa, Jesus, hold on, because these statements, they, they don't hold anything back. Like they are straightforward, they are direct, they're unfiltered. Jesus starts the sermon with what's known as the Beatitudes, where he gives nine different examples of what a blessed life looks like. And then Jesus moves into six statements that start like, you have heard it said, but I tell you. You have heard it said, but I tell you. And all that indicates that Jesus is really not as concerned about our behavior as he is about our heart. And he says those kinds of things throughout this sermon. There's so much more that we haven't covered. I hope you go back and read the whole thing. But most of what Jesus says is in this similar theme. He's more interested in who we are than what we do. And today's teaching is really no exception. Today we're picking up a part of the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 7. And in this part of the sermon, it's pretty well known. Maybe you've even heard these words before. These words are most likely going to be familiar because they're often quoted. Actually, these words are not just quoted. They're often misquoted. At first glance, these words seem to mean something. But when you read further, they can mean an entirely different thing. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Have you heard something like this before? Do not judge. I think in our culture today, 
like the very, very worst thing that we could ever do is to be judgmental. Like, it's the worst. Nobody, I mean, nobody wants to be thought of as judgmental. And so they quote this verse at the first sign of anyone being judgmental. And it's funny when it happens because Christians are often accused of being judgmental, right? Like that's a common thing that Christians are called. So when a Christian says something and someone else accuses them of being judgmental and they quote these words of Jesus, it's just kind of like a double burn, right? It's like, hey, Christian, Jesus is your guy. And you say you follow him and now you're being judgmental. Gotcha. But hold on. Let's look a bit further into this passage to see if it is being misquoted or misunderstood. Jesus continues, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the same time there's a plank in your own eye? Now, just for a second, I don't want to miss the humor here. I mean, Jesus says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye when you have a plank in your own eye? I mean, imagine someone having a plank in their eye. This is just like a funny sight. I mean, if you have a plank in your eye, you can't see. And you literally can't take a speck out of somebody else's eye. You can't even concentrate on anything else but getting the plank out of your eye. If you have a plank in your eye, you are not a functioning human being, meaning you can't function. So imagine a dysfunctional person trying to help another person with a speck in their eye. It's just funny. Also, if you're walking around with a plank in your eye and trying to get close to someone else, you're going to hit them. You're going to hurt them. The plank is going to hit them in the head. You are dangerous to be around. Jesus is funny. He continues, you hypocrite. There's the unfiltered part. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, Jesus calls this plank in the eye person a hypocrite. Another very popular thing that Christians are called. A hypocrite is someone who claims to have moral standards or beliefs to which they personally do not conform. It's like they're living in a pretense, like they're pretending to be something that they are not. This tracks. It tracks with the plank in the eye person calling out the speck in the eye person. So Jesus says, remove the plank so that you can see clearly to help remove the speck. Okay, so what's really happening here? Are we supposed to remove the speck or not? Because, I mean, if we go around going, ooh, I think you have a speck in your eye, guess what? We're not supposed to judge. So then once the plank removed, should we just ignore the speck? Because seeing the speck, it feels judgy, right? Hmm. I think it would help if we reach for some other words that Jesus has said. In response to the crowds questioning him one time on Sabbath practices, Jesus said this, 
Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead, judge correctly. It feels like Jesus is saying, yeah, you're going to have to judge some things. Just do it correctly. And throughout the other passages in the Bible, we read about being discerning, about being able to judge what is right or wrong for ourselves. Paul writes this to the very early followers of Jesus. He says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best, so that you may be able to judge for yourself what is best. And and again, Paul writes this, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And then again, we read this in the book of Hebrews. For the word of God is alive and active. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. So here's what I'm coming to believe about this. There are three good ways to judge. And there is one really bad way to judge. The good ways are this. Judge what is best best practices, best actions. For for example, it is my judgment that prayer in the Bible, reading and reading your Bible are good practices. That time in silence helps me listen and encounter the Holy Spirit. So we judge what's good for us. Judge between good and evil. This is how our legal system is supposed to work. That's the second best practice. If someone has committed a crime, there's a judgment and a consequence. And then the third is judge our own thoughts and attitudes. When we encounter God's word, when healthy, trusted friends give us feedback, we can look at ourselves and judge our heart. This is how we grow. So we all use good judgment in our everyday lives. We have to decide if we should go out on the roads if there's a lot of ice and snow, if our budget allows us to buy a new car or if we should keep saving, if a friend who's hurt us or been unkind to us regularly is a safe person to be around. We make judgments all the time. If we have no discernment or no ability to make good judgments, our lives get very messy very fast. So part of the maturing and growing process is to learn how to make good judgments. So there is healthy judgment. But I think what Jesus is warning us about is is when he says the log and the speck, I think he's saying it's not our ability to judge But what Jesus is saying here is don't be judgmental. There are two different things. Being judgmental is someone who rushes to judgment about other people without good reason. So having good judgment and being judgmental are two different things. Also, being judgmental, it's like Jesus says in this passage, It's hypocritical. It's someone who's forming opinions, usually critical ones, about others 
while not even looking at themselves. Jesus told this story to a group of people who are confident of their own righteousness, but they look down on everyone else. I think it's a great example of being judgmental. He said this, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all I get, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. Instead, he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus continues by saying, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's a really good example of judgmentalism. God, thank you that I'm not like those people. Yeah, judgmentalism. So let's look back on the passage from the Sermon on the Mount. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? I think this passage, Jesus is teaching us to judge without being judgmental. He's saying, first look at yourself. Do the work in your own life and in your own heart, which is ongoing, by the way, and never really is finished as we continue to grow and be discipled in our lives. So do the work on yourself, and then you'll see clearly to help your brother remove the speck. Jesus is not saying don't have conviction. Don't discern between what's right and wrong. And he is certainly not saying don't help each other out by giving some good, instructive, honest feedback. Jesus is showing us how to judge without being judgmental. But we misquote this verse. We really misquote it in two ways. We say, you can't be the judge of me because Jesus says, don't judge. And then we misquote it in this way. Who am I to judge? I can't help that person with their speck. I don't, I, who am I to judge? And Jesus is saying in love and care for one another, give each other some help. Point some things out. But do not do it without first and foremost looking at yourself. So practically, how do we judge? How do we have discernment without being judgmental? I think the first thing is this. Proximity is a non-judgmental position. It is almost impossible to have discernment about someone else if you do not know them. 
So refrain from talking about or generalizing entire groups of people. Refrain from criticizing someone else's choices and decisions when you do not personally know them or their story. There is no point in this. There's no reason to talk about that. You are not helping them by judging their life from afar. That is almost always being judgmental. And Christians get criticized for this all the time. Because we do this all the time. We have decided in advance that this set of behaviors is bad. So everyone engaging in this set of behavior is wrong. That might be true. But there is no point in sharing with this, th with this with them or with anyone else until you have taken the time to be in relationship with them. Until you're willing to ask for feedback about your own life. And then maybe, maybe, when they have experienced your deep and unconditional love for them, maybe you can help them examine the speck in their eyes. The second way, love is a non-judgmental motive. We can only be discerning or provide feedback and help with removing specks if our motive is love. Annoyance is not love. Anger is not love. Hurt is not love. Love is love. You may need to pray for weeks or months for somebody asking God to give you a heart of love for them. Because without love, you are a resounding gong. And nobody likes a gong that never stops. That is just annoying. <laughs> uh, I'm speaking to myself. Okay, here's the third thing. Questions are a non-judgmental posture. Questions are our best way to see someone. Ask good questions. Questions like, how did you come to that decision? How's it going for you? What is hard about this? And what is good about this? Have you noticed your actions having any kind of effect on others? What would it look like to do this instead? And then listen. I mean, really, really listen. And consider what it must be like to live in their shoes. And then after listening for a long time, ask, are you open to some feedback? This is a major mark of the Christian community. A community that has both relationship and responsibility. What a beautiful picture of the church, that we love one another so much that we just lean in and learn and try to help. Relationship with each other and responsibility to disciple one another. If we operated like that in a healthy way, I think we would really see transformation in our lives the lives of other people. Again, Jesus' unfiltered words to us, you hypocrite.
first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is calling us hypocrites. Good feedback, Jesus. And here's the good news about Jesus. We know he's doing it in love because he loves us. We know this because Jesus is love. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for Jesus' words. I pray that you would give us the courage to live them out, to be in real healthy relationships with one another, where we can serve each other in this way. God, I just pray that we would confess our moments of judgmentalism, where we criticize from afar, where our motive is not love, where our um, posture is not proximity, where we just spew a lot of frustration. We, can, we repent of that, God, and ask that you would create a way forward for us to love others, to help others, and to do our own work. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.